week's message, um, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I, I'm answering two questions, and this is what I've studied this week. I said, well, I'll just go on and use that, and uh, I hope that it'd be a blessing to you. I'll try to tie it together at the end, I hope. And uh, the first question is this here. Did Pharaoh die in the Red Sea? Did Pharaoh die in the Red Sea? And uh, we'll get the context here. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 3 and 4 says this. For, Her yeah, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And then he says, And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. And then verse 17. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. Those verses right there show that Pharaoh was present with his chariots and with his horsemen as they move on the children of Israel and get ready to go into the Red Sea. Interestingly, we don't read that Pharaoh is specifically named as dying there. However, chapter 14, verse 28, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as, what? One of them. In other words, when God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites went over, the Egyptians said, well, they went over on dry ground. His ground will follow them into the sea. And they started after them at that time. Pharaoh, the question is asked, did he escape? Did he survive some way? Well, I saw the movie, The Ten Commandments. <laughs> and uh, Pharaoh survived. And then I saw the animated one on Moses. Anybody see that one? It's a great one. I mean, it's a great one. And Moses, and uh, of course, was on the good side. And then Pharaoh, he survived. And so it's assumed that Pharaoh did survive. But later, the Bible shows his fate, and it's revealed what happened to him. In the next chapter, the Hebrews sang what's called the Song of Moses, and just after the miracle of the Red Sea, they begin to sing this song. And they said this in Exodus chapter 15, verse 19. For the horse of... Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. 
but the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. This shows that 600 chariots, can you imagine 600 chariots with their horses and their wheels and everything? And uh, by the way, we show a little film that was done a few years ago. It's called Exodus, and it proves where they crossed the Red Sea, and they found in the Red Sea chariot wheels. Uh, it's amazing. And, uh, but the sound, the thunder, uh, all of that going on at that moment, and not only the 600 chariots with their men on them, the soldiers, but also there's Pharaoh himself. And they were on the sea floor when God quickly then returned the sea waters and every one of them perished. I believe Pharaoh was right there when those waters came down. Now, if one still questions somebody else, God commented about this event later on. He says this in Psalm 136, verse 13, To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever, and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever, but overthrew... Ah, there he is. Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. You see, again, God would not allow wicked Pharaoh to escape because God had the intention, and he followed through with it, to take the life of Pharaoh. So when you go back then, knowing that, reading Exodus 14, verse 17 and 18 again, and I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh by taking him out. Verse 18 then. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. What happened to the chariots and his horsemen? Well, he said, I'm getting honor upon them and Pharaoh. So if they perished, Pharaoh perished. Amen. Also remember this, that Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist. He's a type of the Antichrist. When men take God's people, the Israelites, when they take them into captive, as did Pharaoh, and so will Antichrist in the tribulation, the only way for God to free his people, free his nation in both instances with Antichrist in the trib and Pharaoh in the Red Sea deal is to make war and destroy Israel's oppressors. So you have Antichrist in the tribulation and you have Pharaoh who is a, who is a type of that coming Antichrist. Pharaoh took Israelites captive and, and, and uh, Antichrist will... He will go after the Jewish people in the tribulation. We know that from Scripture. Isaiah 52 verse 4 says this, For thus saith the Lord God, My people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, now get this, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now wait a minute. 
who's this Assyrian that oppressed the Israelites when they were down in Egypt? Who was it? Pharaoh. Pharaoh was an Assyrian. Now, isn't that interesting? It is to me. In the tribulation, God uses Antichrist against Israel because of Israel's still unbelief. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 5. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him. That's Pharaoh, in a sense. That's the Antichrist, the Assyrian. Send him against a hypocritical nation, Israel, and against the people of my wrath will I give him charge, I'm going to use him, to take spoil, to take the prey, and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. So in the tribulation, he's going to use the Antichrist. And then it says this in 1425, that I will break the Assyrian, the Antichrist, in my land and upon my mountains, tread him underfoot, then shall his yoke depart from off them, Israel, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. That's when Christ returns and defeats the oppressor of not only the world, but of Israel. So, we know this, Antichrist will be destroyed one day in the tribulation, right? Likewise, Pharaoh, a type of Antichrist, was destroyed in the Red Sea when those waters came down. So, did Pharaoh die in the Red Sea? I think there's quite a bit of evidence to say that he did. Now, my second question that has no relationship with that, today I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> Another question that comes up, and my message is going to be short today. Amen. What are the sins that are past? What are the sins that are past? Romans 3.25 whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, which means a satisfied sacrifice, through faith in his blood, now get this, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins, what? That are past through the forbearance of God. What are those sins that are past? Is the Bible saying here that when saved, we're only forgiven of our past sins. Some teach, quite a few, there are a lot of Arminian churches, Roman Catholic Church, and so on. A lot of churches teach that this here refers to sins up to that point in life. When you become a believer, it's for all those past sins, sins that are past. Whatever sins they say, we commit after we trust Christ, they urge us to go to 1 John 1, 9 and confess our sins daily. Let me just ask you, can you remember all the sins you committed in one day? And think in a lifetime, how many sins did you not confess? 
and not one sin can enter heaven. So that is a failed what? What is it? It's a failed, I have no idea what I'm saying. Am I talking to Carol? No, I, but that process, it's a failed system. That's what I want. It's a failed system. The problem with this whole thing, urging us to go to 1 John, is context. Time passed, Genesis, through mid-Acts for sure. But now, mid-Acts through Romans through Philemon, but now, ages to come, Hebrews through Revelation. Where is 1 John found? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. So the problem is that John, in its context, is addressing unbelieving Jews in 1 John. He talks about believers in, in the second chapter, but the first chapter is to unbelievers. But unbelieving Jews, to get right with God for the coming tribulation. 1 John is not specifically to us. Now, there are a lot of great truths in there. We make application. I understand that. But it's not specifically written to the body of Christ. So the past here is not a reference to our sins committed before we were saved. It's referring to sins that were in the past dispensationally. Sins in the past before Apostle Paul, before us, before the body of Christ. Sins before that of the past. You getting that? God's new revelation, understanding was given to Paul so that we now know how God in the past passed over sin in time past, and even accepted animal sacrifices for those sins. And so you ask the question, how could God overlook, how could he have patience with the sins of believers in time past? How could he accept animal sacrifices that could not remove sins? How could he accept that? Here's the answer. It's very simple. I want you to follow this. It was on the basis of what God knew. Amen? This truth was not revealed until Paul came on the scene. God knew what was coming. What was coming? Calvary's cross. That's what was coming. Because of Christ's work, because of his sacrifice for our sins, because of the accomplishments of the cross, the cross, God, prior to the cross, could be patient with man and the Jewish people's sins in time past. Beginning in Genesis with Adam and them, all the way up through 
Abraham, and so on. Acts 17, 30. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at. <laughs> he overlooked it. Just real simple. Now, back to Romans 3.25. Now, get this. In his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Now, get this. Through the forbearance of God. Forbearance. That means an extension of time for the payment of a debt. Let me say that again. It's an extension of time for the payment of debt. I'm sorry, Mr. Landlord. I don't have the money right now, but I promise in two weeks I'll, I'll make my payment. And the, land, the landlord says, that'll be fine. Forbearance. He gave you an extension of time to make the payment that's due. In time past, God was tolerant. He was patient with those who tried to obey his word and believe his word. People like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Israel, and many others. For those individual people in the past... God did not require full payment for their sin debt to those who believed. Do you know God's been patient now? For with them, he was patient with them time for 4,000 years. He was tolerant with them. It's an amazing thing. Until the cross's work, he was patient tolerant, overlooked, winked at their sin. They believed in him, but he overlooked their sin. They could not make that payment until the cross would happen. And when Christ was on the cross, he said, it is teletelestai. That means debt has been paid in full. Amen? Now, that all excites you if you're saved. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. God knew his son's cross was to come and provide full, total, complete payment. Amen? And another thing that happened by the cross, Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, because of the cross and what Christ has done, he is the mediator, Christ is, of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, under the old covenant. Do you, you see that? They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. It was the cross that did away with how God dealt with sin in time past. 
The old covenant's gone over. Now I have a new one where individual people can be saved, washing away all their sin because of the cross. Amen? So here, past sins in First John, or in Romans 3, I'm sorry, do not apply to us today. Understand, we now know that the cross paid the sin debt of men for all the ages. The cross can wash away sin from those of past or those present and those future. All ages. Amen? And so when I see sins of the past and animal sacrifices and God says they're saved even though their debt of sin has not been fully paid, I, you, you know that. It's the cross that is the explanation of how men were saved, justified in time past. How could God be patient, gracious, to pass over their sin, remit their sins, and forgive their sins? Now, don't, this is the most important point of the whole thing, okay? He did it because it was on credit of the coming cross. Did you get that? He could save them in past on credit because the cross was coming that would wash away their sins. Amen? What, what a blessing that is. Forgiveness of past sins, now get this, was by a given post-dated check of the cross. You know what a post-dated check is? A lot of you have written them. Don't cash this until this date. <laughs> and when the event comes that I put money in it, then you can cash it. Back then, credit, a post-dated check, until the event of the cross that would take place and then wash away all their sins. Amen. And I hear something interesting. I believe that those believers who had died prior to the cross went to the paradise compartment in the heart of the earth. That, we see that in a couple of passages. They were saved, yet their sin debt had not been paid in full yet. So God created a place in the heart of the earth, the paradise compartment. They went to hell, actually. And hell has a chasm. One side was paradise. The other side was torment. But those who believed went to the paradise compartment in the heart of the earth. But when Christ died on the cross, for those who had believed, their sin debt was paid in full. So sometime after Christ rose from the grave, <laughs> rose from the grave, with their sin debt now paid, they were 
then allowed to be taken, transferred to heaven. They couldn't go to heaven because their sin debt had not been paid yet. But after he died and rose, they were allowed to go to heaven then. And I believe Christ emptied the paradise compartment there and took it up to paradise in heaven. Amen. That's good stuff. Uh, I mean, that's just, if, if you get a hold of it, it's a blessing. But us believers today, members of the body of Christ, when we believe in Christ's death, burial, resurrection as being sufficient for all of our sins, they were paid for, they were forgiven totally, completely, once for all, all past sin, all present sin, all future sins. And then when Anita Barrett passed this morning at 6 o'clock, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 comes into play. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When one's body dies or goes to sleep, their soul and spirit leaves and goes to a place called heaven. He says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years, Paul says, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such a one caught up to the what? Third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up, third heaven, into where? Paradise. And just leave that on for a second, fellas. No longer is paradise in the heart of the earth. It's been transferred because the sin debt has been paid for by Christ and transferred up to the third heaven. Amen. And for these people say, well, I've been to heaven and back. No, you haven't. You forgive me. And heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. You just keep your mouth shut. That's what he's saying. And so here we have the debt not fully paid, but yet they were believers in the heart of the earth in a paradise compartment. But when Christ died, rose, he took up these people up to the third heaven because now their sin debt had been paid and they were permitted to go to heaven. The sins of the past were those individual people prior to the cross of Jesus Christ. They were saved, but yet their sin debt had not been paid until Christ on the cross. Amen. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. Aren't you? Now just think... We have a book called the Bible. And we believe the King James Bible. We, we don't apologize for that. We believe it is the very word of God. And we can trust what it says. And finding out these answers to some of these questions, you just have to go to the book and you have to read it and study it. And isn't it amazing that God shows us the answers then? It's only when we study that. Whether it's Pharaoh, did he perish in the Red Sea? Yes, he did. 
Or rather, what about those past sins? We just learn all about it. God is good. I use a little outline, and I like to use it sometimes, and used it many times, actually, about grace. One day, God looked down upon mankind in spite of him sinning in the garden, in spite of him having to destroy the world by a flood, in spite of having to confound their languages and stuff because they were building a, a tower for their honor as if they were God. In spite of all of that, God still looked up on mankind. And then God stepped down. He stepped down off of his throne. It was, it's like a telescope. So he could look down and get a better view of what was happening. And he zeroed in on man and it moved his heart. As a result of that, God came down. And he came down in the person of Jesus Christ, the God-man. Christ, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life on a rugged cross, died for man's sins, those who would believe in him. Buried him, three days later he rose, he's alive. He ascended on high, sitting on the right hand of the Father today. But he came down. He laid down, as we just saw on the cross. And today, from heaven, through the Holy Spirit, he reaches down. He reaches down to take your heart. If you will believe in him, that he is the answer for your sin, and believe that who Christ is and what he's accomplished through his death, burial, resurrection, just believe that. And God says your sin debt is paid off in full. Woo! Christians ought to be happy. Regardless of what's going on around us, we have a secure anchor assurance in the person of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you today. And I just wanted to share with the people a little bit about what I was studying this week and hope that it'd be a blessing to them that there are answers to questions that come our way, even difficult ones. And when you find it out, it's so exciting, God. You're in charge, you're in control, and we just lift you up and give you honor and glory today. And everybody said, amen. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.